I'm a communicator. I've only got a few minutes each Sunday to communicate vital truth to you. So I'm always looking for ways to be as direct as I can in communicating the message in as clear and concise a manner as I can and helping people hopefully grasp these truths that will change their lives. So I have learned to really value concise communication. And there are a few means that exist out there, of mediums of communication, that I have found that really have a knack for saying it. Bumper stickers can. But lately I've been on this t-shirt kick. It's amazing how many t-shirts just really sum up certain issues in life. Here's one. Well, another day has passed and I didn't use algebra once. <laughs> Sorry, school teachers. Amen. <clears throat> Or how about this one? Dear math, I'm not a therapist. Please solve your own problems. If I had 50 cents for every math test I passed, I'd now have $7.20. I think he hasn't finished his class yet. Education is important, but exercise is importanter. (laughs) And I saw this one. Hopefully you really are moving up in life. But I saw this one on a t-shirt the other day, actor with a slash through it, singer with a slash through it, next one down, musician with a slash through it, next one below that, director with a slash through it, then writer with a slash through it, and down at the bottom, waiter with no slash. (laughs) Well, like these t-shirts, I want to communicate Today, a message that I believe is extremely critical, and the message is only two words, though I'm going to take the rest of my time to unpack it. My subject today is position yourself. Say that, position yourself. Father, I ask you to speak to us today. Open your word to our understanding. Help us to grasp the eternal principles of truth and life that we find in your word that are so completely profound. And let us leave today with these principles firmly embedded and engaged in our hearts where we never forget them, where they can indeed do the work that your word is desiring to do within us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Let me begin as I often do by saying The Bible, and I'm serious, is absolutely the most amazing book there is. It is. And I feel like I'm qualified to say it because my library consists of over 10,000 books, and I've read them, all of them, the 10,000. I've got more that I haven't read yet. You look at me with your eyebrows raised. I read an average of three to four books every week, and for many years read one every single day until my schedule got a little bit more hectic and I couldn't. And I've done that for many years, many, many, many years. Not boasting. I read because some people like Warren Buffett spend 80% of their day reading. And his famous statement is, the more you learn, the more you earn. (laughs) Bill Gates spends, I think it was an average of, what is it, six hours a day reading? If you want to really transform your life, you have to take a cue from men like those. Because knowing what you know right now has positioned you where you are at this moment. And if you want to get beyond where you are right now, you're probably going to need some additional information. Amen. 
I'm constantly reaching out to get as much as I possibly can. I don't take offense when people help me too by refining my ability to communicate or pointing out something that I need to hear that will help me. When I was younger, I used to, like everybody, I thought they were demeaning me and therefore belittling my value if they pointed out something that I needed to know that I didn't know. It was like, what are you doing? Focusing in on my area of of ignorance here that I haven't learned about? I got through that phase. I found out that when people come and share things with me that I don't know, they open up new dimensions in my life. And I am grateful. Living by the principles of the Bible and what these principles will cause to happen in your life will make you experience growth and success in every area of your life to such a degree that people cannot help but want what they see in you. The Bible is profound in that way. And over the last few months, we've looked at a whole number of things from the second chapter of the book of Acts specifically that caused those that lived in the first century to become exactly what I've just described, the objects of envy in their communities, which to me is incredible considering that just 50 days before their Savior had been crucified. Now then, the very people that rejected them are running to get into into the church. I've taught on some of the reasons that happen. You might not realize that whenever you begin to obey the Word of God, it causes something to take place in the spirit dimension. We only look at this dimension. This is what we see. But did you know that all of these things in the Bible actually have impact in the spirit realm, such as living by the teachings of the apostles? You live by that, it actually opens something in the heavenlies over your life. I taught on fellowship, communion, which we learned really was the Lord's Supper and fellowship with God. I taught on the reverence of God. I taught on the supernatural demonstrations of God's power. I taught a number of series on all these things I'm mentioning, faithfulness and attending church. There are some absolutes in my life. If you don't have absolutes in your life, I would say to you that that probably is one of the things that will hold you back, most definitely will hold you back. You have to have the right absolutes. And one of the absolutes, I told someone this just yesterday, I will be in church in the house. I will go to the house of God faithfully. Don't care what else is going on. I don't care how many hours I work. I will be in the house of God on Sunday. If, unless something has happened that is so catastrophic, it pulls me out. Or maybe you might have to work on a Sunday. But otherwise, look, bear lives in the wood, Pope is Catholic, and I'm going to be in the house of God. And that's just the way it is. And the Astros are the world champions. Amen. Practicing the presence of God is another principle that I believe among all of these has been the singular most impacting thing that I've ever experienced as a child of God. So they were so blessed that all of these things literally created something in their lives, an open heaven over them that made the very people who once hated them take a second look. And those who had run from them now were running to get into the church that they too could live in the dimension beyond average, which has been our, our theme. I want to talk to you about another principle that is found in these verses. But first, before I do, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt out of position in life? 
Have you ever felt out of position? It's like a receiver that was supposed to cut right, but you cut left. And God, the divine quarterback, threw the football, your destiny, right where it was supposed to be, but you had cut the wrong direction. You ever felt out of position? You didn't receive what you should have because your position was not correct. Or have you ever felt like you were waiting for your ship to come in only to find out you were supposed to be at the airport? Or someone said exercise and you thought they said extra fries. And you were at McDonald's. You can literally be out of position to be blessed and that can keep you from having the kind of life you want. You can be out of position for God to be able to bless your finances, your relationships, your marriage. You can be positioned incorrectly and not be in the right place to receive a breakthrough. Thankfully, there is a way to fix this. And I wonder if there's anybody in the building that would like to know how to position themselves to receive God's divine favor. Amen. Our text is Acts 2.42. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread. That's the portion that we just finished a four-week series on, practicing the presence of God, because that breaking of bread was really the Lord's Supper and communion with God. The next phrase, I look at three words, and in prayers. They continued in prayers. So let's talk about the extraordinary effect that prayer can have on your life. And right away, some of you are probably saying, but that's, Pastor, I've heard that all of my life. What's so extraordinary about that? I think I'm a Christian. I pretty much know what prayer is about. I I understand prayer. If you don't mind me saying this, I'm going to speak really candidly right now. One of the things that I've observed in these (coughs) many years speaking in so many different places, is that very few believers actually do understand the strategic importance of prayer in our lives. Prayer to many people is boring and unexciting. I won't even ask you to say amen. Not unlike watching paint dry. But that is because People do not understand the strategic significance of prayer. If you ever come to understand that, you will come to feel as I do that prayer is one of the single most exciting things you will ever engage in in your entire lifetime. I want to show you why that is so and also take a look at some of the other things (coughs) Sorry, the disciples did that turned out to be amazingly strategic. And that they positioned early believers in such a way that God could bless them. Clearly something happened because the church began to explode with growth. Acts 2.46, so continuing daily, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Quick point about prayer and practicing the presence of God. If prayer went on daily, it seems to me they must not, listen closely, have been praying just in the sense of asking God for things. Thank you, Tracy. Most of us, when we pray, pardon me, we've been taught that prayer is all about asking. Amen. 
And we go to God to pray because we need help or we need something. I mean, really, do you think that's what early believers were doing when they prayed daily and continually? I mean, as a believer, obviously we can have problems, right? This is a fallen world. After all, this world is broken. But it would really have to be a miserable person who has such bad luck that every single day they're constantly needing God to bail them out, right? I can see one or two people in the church maybe (laughs) just have a run of bad luck. And every day they're having to pray. But if the whole church is praying every day, and they were, but they're praying because, God, I need your help. I'm in such trouble. i got to get you to bail me out. I need this done. I need that done. Hey, I want to tell you something. Folk would take one look at that and say, see, you wouldn't want to be you, and they're gone. Clearly, that was not what was going on with prayer in those days. Nobody's going to be attracted To a group of people that are so needy that they're constantly in trouble. Amen. I believe that prayer was not just asking God for things. And in fact, when you look at the original Greek word that is used when it said they continued in prayer. Aha, watch this now. It says that they continued in worship. The root word is worship. In other words, their prayer was adoration. They weren't just asking. Most of us spend 95% of our time asking and 5% in worship. They were spending most of their time in adoration and every once in a while having to ask God for his help and he would miraculously show up. And so what they were really doing, as I mentioned the last several weeks, is practicing the presence of God. Lord, you're wonderful. Amen. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. This is what it meant. They were doing what Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. They were praying without ceasing. But we Christians of today have been led to believe that prayer is what we do when we're confronted with needs beyond our control, a problem so big we can't fix them. And the result is that most believers do not pray very much because let's face it, listen up now, most of us have just about everything we need. I didn't say everything we want. I wish I could get an amen. Oh, sure, we'd like a raise or a new model car or a bigger house, but most of us are really doing pretty good. I was real quiet. If I was you, I would not sit there and let a pastor say that without you saying amen, lest God look down on you and say, huh? So I'll say it again just so you can get on board here because God is leaning. I won't see what they say this time. Much as I'm blessing them and they're going to just sit there quite like that. So I want to say this. Amen. Most of us have pretty much everything we need. Thank you. We're doing pretty good. That's especially true if we compare our living standards with believers in other parts of the world. Listen to these facts from a part of the world I'm in every single week. In Ghana, the annual per capita is $1,340 a year. A year. 
In Senegal, the annual income per year is less than $1,093. Tanzania, average income $1,518 a year. Kenya, average worker earns $1,160 a year. In Uganda, it's so bad the average Ugandan would have to work for two and a half years to earn what the average citizen in the UK earns in one week. In the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the average income is, are you ready, $422 a year. That's slightly over a dollar a week. I'm sorry, a dollar a day. We probably don't even realize how blessed we are. So I want to ask you again, are you doing pretty good when you think about it? Has God been good to anybody in this house? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm blessed. And I'm going to tell you, I am blessed. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. And so for me, prayer is not about, oh, God, I got to have this. I got to. Most of my time is spent, thank you, Lord. I am so blessed. Hallelujah. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're incredible. God, thank you that you've been so good to me. Amen. 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 So if prayer was only about asking for things or for help, the average person sitting in the American church today probably doesn't have much motivation to pray. And that's one reason prayer is not real high on a lot of people's agenda who are born again in America. Now in Bangladesh, they're going to pray. Uh-huh. Congo, they're going to pray. Yeah, they're going to get a hold of God because they, they're struggling to survive every single day. Something changed the way the early church was positioned in the minds of the people of the community. I don't believe it was because they were so bad off that they were begging God every single moment. Oh, God, I I need this money to pay this bill. And, And they were blessed because they were under an open heaven. And everybody else was looking at them saying, wow, I'd sure like to have what they have. And therein lies a kingdom principle. People will not like your God until they're first attracted to you. If you're the most cantankerous person that lives on the block, you're not going to win very many people in your neighborhood to God. Oh, I'm preaching right now. And if you're the rudest person in the office, need I tell you, you're not going to bring very many people to CT. That's where Ebenezer Scrooge goes to church. I'm not going there. Amen. Bah, humbug. Not following him. The early church had such an attractiveness that they drew people. And by praying and doing the other things the scripture mentions that were so strategic, they did not perhaps even realize it, but they were positioning themselves for the breakthroughs that we read occurred in the book of Acts. And I am firmly convinced that many of the things we do, we do not realize how they position us, either for good or bad. That's why this book is so vital and important. That's why you need to be here Wednesday night. Get all of this you possibly can. And every Sunday, we spend a lot of time in the book of Acts. So perhaps I can now go to another passage in the Old Testament to show you how the Word of God positions people. And God's been doing this for a long time. He didn't just start in Acts chapter 2. Let's go to a familiar text of Scripture, Second Chronicles. And we're going to see that God has been doing this since He first began to relate to man. 
His interest has been, how can I help you position your life to be what it needs to be? Second Chronicles twenty fourteen and 17. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and all these other sons. Amen. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. Say it out loud with me. For the battle is not yours, but God's. How many times have you ever said that to God? This is not my battle, God. It's yours. You step into the middle of this. Amen. And the next verse says, Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still. Say this with me. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. One more time. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with me. Amen. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Oh, we love those two verses. We love those verses. The battle is not mine. It's God's. Mm. I will stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I want to know, honestly, has anybody ever prayed those and quoted those in the middle of a situation you're going through? Come on, let me see your hand. Anybody? Hands, every hand almost in the building. When I first came here, I got into a situation as, just as a young pastor here where there was a, a problem that rose up and, and I didn't know what to do. I shouldn't have survived. I got on the phone. I called a friend of mine that I've known for many years, relative of Jerry, my wife, and he had been on a 21-day fast and I started telling him what was going on and he broke down and cried. And Merle told me, Richard, I feel the Lord telling me two things. One is the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. I had just read those verses and the hair stood up on the nap of my neck. And that's when I knew everything was going to be all right. Somebody in the building say amen. But sandwiched right between those two incredible assurances are these words. Position yourself. Look at that. Position yourself. you got to get this now. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. But you got to go position yourself. And then you can stand still and see the salvation of God. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. I cannot begin to emphasize how important this revelation is. God wants to act on our behalf, but we need to realize that there is an incumbent responsibility upon us to meet certain conditions before he can act. I see this in believers all around the world. Pastor, there's a promise in the Bible. Praise God. Hallelujah. In fact, there are over 7,000 of them if you didn't know it. And so people claim it. And they just park. I'm claiming it. I'm naming it. Hallelujah. I'm praying it. I'm waiting for God to do it. That's not the way it works. When there's a promise, there's always a premise that is the condition that must be met before the promise can be fulfilled. The premise comes from an old French word that means the proposition set before. It means a pre-existing given. 
Literally, in law, it is a basis stated or assumed on which reasoning proceeds. Hmm. Amen. Over 7,000 promises in the Word of God. Each one of them has a premise that is your part that you've got to do. Position yourself, and the God who gave you the promise is then going to make the promise become a reality. Amen. These promises tell us what God wants to do in our lives. They're his desire for us. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises of God in him or say it, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God. What? Through us. God wants to bless you because he gets glory through us. When the rest of the world sees us in the right position and God fulfilling his promises, he gets glory. Amen. And everybody says, wow, I want to experience that too. Well, the, Hebrew, the Greek word for promise in Strong's Concordance says that it means a divine assurance of good. So you have over 7,000 divine assurances of good in the word of God. But each one of them have a primus. And you have a God that's saying, come on, get in the right position. Because the battle is not yours, it's mine. You're fighting a war you don't need to fight. You're trying to make stuff happen that you can't make happen. Just get in the right position and watch me take over and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in any other area of your life, this is what you're meant to, be, to experience. Amen. In fact, did you know that very many of these 7,000 promises even have the word if in them? <laughs> Look at this. Amen. I'm going to show you some, but let's start way back. This one didn't have it, but it's implied. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land. I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. Ha. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Every one of us. Oh. Why? Because we're the spiritual sons of Abraham. And that has pr- passed on to us. But listen, that's the promise. Did you notice the premise? Get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land I will show you. There's some stuff holding you back right now. Watch it. You got to get out of some stuff before you can get into the right stuff. I'm preaching right now. There's some stuff God's trying to get you out of that you can get into the place where he can cause... Forgive me, but I feel the Holy Spirit in this house right now. God's trying to get you out so he can put you in. Woo! But you know what we do? We hold on to the stuff that we ought to be letting go of. I got a word for you. It's from a movie. Let it go. Let it go. Because you will get frozen in the wrong place. Hello, somebody. 
Another premise is found in Deuteronomy 28.1. Now it shall come to pass. If, there it is, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today. And here's the promises. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 9, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. But you can't run fast enough to get away from them. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country and blessed the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They will come in one way and flee seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in that which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself just as he is. I feel the Holy Ghost. Forgive me right now for interrupting that, but I feel the anointing of God. God is speaking to somebody right now. Yes, he is. Get in the right position. Get in the right position. He will command a blessing. He will establish you as a holy people to himself just as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. There it is. The promises begin with the word if and they end the last phrase, sentence with the word if. If. If is the premise. If you do your part, get in position. This is what God said I will do. Isaiah 1, 19 through 20. If you're willing and obedient. Everybody say if. If. You shall eat the good of the land. Here's another example. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. You're just sitting there waiting. I prayed, Pastor. you got to do more than that. you got to get in the right position. You've got to not only ask, you've got to seek. And then you've got to do some Knocking. Somebody say, I'm not going to stop knocking. Would you do that? What is it implying? There's a door that's getting ready to open up in somebody's life. Woo. Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. The if is if you have faith. That's the premise. You can pray and God will move mountains that stand between you and your destiny. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Pastor, I've been praying all this time. I'm sitting here. Yeah, and he's knocking at the door. You got to get up and get in the right position and go open that door. Mm, hello, somebody. Amen. The Bible is full of these. Clearly, the premises are all about positioning you to receive the 7,000 promises. And I'm just about done. Even the promise of salvation has a premise that must be met. Look at it. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's the premise. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's this false doctrine that is going around that Jesus died for everybody, therefore everybody is saved. The first part of it is right. There's always a little bit of truth in a believable lie. 
And yes, he did die for everybody, but then you got to believe on him. Hello, somebody. I may be talking to a person right now that doesn't know God. You're in the right place. All you have to do is say today, I give my heart to Jesus Christ. God, become my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. I'll get baptized. I want to be a child of God. And when you turn your heart and life over to God, you know what happens? He fulfills his part. That's not all. If you even ask yourself why God gave us his word in the first place, you come up with the inescapable conclusion that he had to have a reason for giving us this. God never does anything just to do it. He is so strategic that everything he does has a purpose. So what is the purpose for which he gave us his word? Someone could say, oh, he gave us his word that we could be saved. That's what it's about, Pastor. Forget that positioning stuff. It's, he gave us his word so we could be saved. Huh? Are you kidding me? Being saved is the greatest positioning you could ever experience in your life. You go from being lost to being found, to being a child of darkness, to being a, a child of light. You go from your father, the devil, the wicked one, to becoming a son and daughter of God. Wow, you talk about positioning. Everything in the Bible is about positioning, of which salvation is a very clear example. So, there are many ways the Bible helps position us as I get ready to conclude. Many ways. The teachings of Scripture and its principles will position your personal relationships so that they can be blessed. You violate those, and you know what happens? You get stuck over here, out of position, when the quarterback is throwing right over there. You go the wrong way. You have to dock when you ought to be at the airport. You have the McDonald's line to get fries when somebody said exercise. Amen. These principles will heal your broken marriage. They, they, they will even cause you to experience healing in your body. Do I know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. After all these years of living in pain, 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 and more pain, I stand up here today a transformed man to the glory of the God that I serve. Amen. And I thank God for it. Oh, hallelujah. I want to say thank you, Lord. We'll even position you to grow financially. Everyone wants to be blessed, but unfortunately, many people are not willing to fulfill the premise that they can receive the promise of financial prosperity. Tony, for example, talked about those paving stones, and you heard him mention that if you haven't made a pledge, you haven't finished yours, please, you can do that. You can make a pledge now. Get in on this, because we don't want to leave anybody out, and they will be there. Whatever you gave is on the wall, but you have the opportunity now to, to also have your name on those paving stones. And that will be there for generations to come as a memorial to your commitment to the kingdom of God. And you know what that does? Every time you drive up at CT and look over there, and the devil tells you, you're coming to the end. <laughs> your life is going downhill, bud. You look over there and say, see those stones? I was faithful, amen. And I still am, hallelujah to the Lamb. Malachi 3.10, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Watch it. Here's the premise coming. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing 
that there is not room enough to receive it. Amen. There's the promise. The premise is you have to bring all your tithes into the storehouse. I close with this. There is this funny program in Canada. It's actually based on one that was originated here many years ago. Anybody remember Candid Camera from years ago? Well, that's now spread around the world. They have one called Just for Laughs in Canada, and they actually show it on airplanes even in the United States. And so here's what they did. A lady got in a wheelchair, an elderly lady, outside of a church, pretended she couldn't get up the steps to give her tithe and offering. So when people would walk by, she would ask them to please go in. And inside by the tithing box, they had positioned somebody and painted him to look like a demon. Watch what happens. People don't even notice him until they go in. Watch this now. Some of you have let the devil do this to you too long. Don't be afraid to honor the word of God regardless of what it is. It works. It works. I want to say it again. It works. And I'm not talking about finances today. I'm not. That's not even my point. I'm talking about God positions us. And there's so many things you can do. 7,000 promises. Those that have to do with finances are only a part of it. But I can tell you this, many of you make much more than Jerry and I do. I get one paycheck. Jerry's not even on salary. What she does for the church, that's me. Many of you have two sources of income. We don't. We've got one. That's it. And, but you know, I made a commitment. God, I want to be one of the top givers in this church. And whenever we had these building programs before, I made that decision. And Jerry was wondering, how are we going to do this? Like, You know? And I said, we're just going to trust God because I have to set an example for this congregation. If I do not honor God, there will be a spirit that will tighten up the blessing of giving over this congregation where they cannot receive. And in many churches, they're afraid to teach about giving because there's so much negativity. I want to tell you, I'm not afraid to teach about it. And the reason I'm not is because I want God to bless you. And you know why I can teach about it with boldness? Because I'm one of, among one of the top four givers of the church. How it happened, I don't know. But I did it, baby. We made our commitment and paid off every single thing we pledged to give. I want to tell you, God will come through when you position yourself. God opens heaven over your lives. Not just in finances, but in every area of your life. Honor him with your relationships. Keep your life pure. There's all this stuff like Abraham and Ur of the Chaldees that wants to pull you back. But your destiny's over there, not right here. And sometimes you've got to leave your mother's house and your father's house in your own country. That is, you've got to leave what's comfortable to you. And you've got to stretch yourself to get in the right position. But if you can get in the right position, 
I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And I will bless you and make you a blessing. Hallelujah. And all nations of the earth will be blessed through you. I'm talking to somebody right now that heaven is shifting over their life. In the very service we're in, there is something going on in this house. Would you give him some praise with me right now? Woo! Hallelujah. Forgive me. Ah, man, I kind of got beside myself here today. Would you stand with me? And I want our communion workers to please come if they would right now. And we're going to close this service today with prayer at the Lord's table, taking communion together. Thank you so much for being here. We love you. Thank you so much for everything you've done to make this great church what it is, for serving the broken after this hurricane that's still going on every day, every day. Strike teams out there delivering supplies. Amen. Ushers, would you please bring the communion service right away? Amen. You got it ready, guys? Amen. Hallelujah. Only got a couple of minutes left. Under the balcony, they will serve you from right in front of the section that you're in. In the balcony, there are ushers that have already delivered the communion service. And and they will go through the balcony to make sure that you are provided with the the means of communion. That's right, Tim. Please, if you would, we need to quickly get this done. And hand it out to those that are serving. Now, here's what we will do, okay? I'm going to turn and face the platform the way you are so I can demonstrate. Beginning at the front pew or the front row of seats, go out, come to the person that has the communion service in front of you, receive the communion, and then go back to your seat on the opposite side. That way people can... Then follow you from the second row. That's right. Come on if you would, please. Amen. And we'll go to the Lord's table together.